anxiety. Okay. Uh, look. Uh, you got me thinking if it was really worth it. Putting in all of this effort just to end up less than perfect. But on our great defense, is something used for our protection? Or are they just another way to force out imperfections? I guess I'm just effective, pointed in the wrong direction. The library in my head is one fucked up selection. Now children, pay attention, and you'll receive attention. Cause after this, I'll ask you an array of questions. Hello guys, hello, 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 <laughs> and welcome to episode 51 of the 40 Ounce Fridays podcast. I am your boy Hiccup, um, and yeah, welcome. I still don't have any good consistent intro, very inconsistent shit, but we're back. Uh, I still haven't finished making my walk-in into kind of like the recording office yet. Well, it, it's pretty much done. It didn't take a lot to do. I'm just waiting for the uh, the chair I ordered to come in. I ordered a chair yesterday. It's probably not coming until sometime at the end of next week. So probably expect one more episode like this where I'm just in the room recording instead of just the walk-in. And then we'll get to the walk-in on episode 53 because it's 51. So yeah, expect that to happen. Um, other than that, though, everything's cool. Everything's chilling. Um, I recently moved as I talked about last week and like the week before sorry they just continue to bust fireworks I I rearranged a lot of stuff in my room because I'm getting set up for when all the stuff I ordered comes in so I can decorate but uh my futon is now my couch just a couch and it is like right near my window so that's where I'm sitting right now to record so you'll probably hear a lot of fireworks or a loud car drive by sorry about that for now um because I got my mattress and it came before my bed frame, but I wanted to lay on a mattress because I haven't had a normal bed in forever. Comfortable shit. I love it. And it's big. It's a queen. I don't think I've ever had anything that size before. So, good shit, good shit. My desk comes in this Friday, so I'll have like a little desk to work and write. Um, I haven't been writing a lot just because I've been working a lot and getting settled into the new place. But once I have that desk, I'll probably be into it. I actually have been into it recently. The other night I was writing some stuff. So I'm getting, I'm getting the itch again. The more this place starts to feel like home, the more uh, I feel more accustomed and adjusted to doing stuff I normally did back when I still live with my mom. But I have a lot more freedom because I have my own room. I also got a little shelf so I can put my books, uh, my, you know, my manga volumes, my light novels, my Yu uh, Yu Hakusho, what do they call it? Funko Pops. Shit like that, I can just have it on the shelf for display and decoration, so I have a place to put that. And then I have, you know, my tables for my TV, for my Switch, for my PlayStation, for my Xbox, shit like that in general. And a nice little rug to throw it all together, you know. Not the, the greatest decorator in the world, but it'll be simple, it'll be nice, and it'll be mine. So, boom, there's that, there's an update on that. So, by episode 53, I should have my little recording space for the podcast officially set up. Uh, I checked the walk-in because the table I got for the walk-in came in too with the mattress fits perfectly right up against the wall so I just got to get a chair and once I get my chair I can use it for the desk and then when I record I just roll it into the walk-in and boom 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 you have that done side by side so I'm excited for that dude I'm super stoked um, 
Other news, a few little quick things before we jump into it. This is probably going to be a more straightforward and shorter podcast this week, purely because I haven't been doing a lot. Work kind of kicked my ass. I'm kind of just been like a combination of tired, because we just moved. I'm still getting adjusted to everything, you know. Like I said, the more I'm here, the more it feels like home. But it still takes a little, little bit of time to get well adjusted to things. Uh, work's been kind of busy, mainly because we're getting more back to normal before the whole uh, COVID outbreak, but we still don't have the same team member numbers as we did before that, so it's been difficult, but blah, 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 blah. Uh, Surviving through it, day off today, so I was feeling it. (laughs) So update on that, Uh, writing will continue when it continues, like I said, and uh, yeah, I've been, I actually (laughs) been playing Fire Emblem again because I need to hurry up and finish the Blue Lions route, but it should go by a lot faster now because I'm on part two. I got to the time skip, so I just got to uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, by the way, is what I'm talking about. Um, Dimitri being kind of like grizzled and angry and crazy and just wanting to kill everyone. So I'm at this that point in the story after the time skip. So the, I, I feel like I'll blow through that a lot faster because I don't have a I don't have to bond characters as much because I've already done all that. There's no gift gathering or missing item gathering because I've done all that. So it'll be a lot more just going through the motions of the battles and going through the story. So I'll be able to get through everything a lot faster than how everything was going in Act 1. And I can finally play Persona 5 Royal. I should have started playing that so long ago. It's fucking June. (laughs) I'm really behind on all the games I want to play, because I still want to play Persona 5 Royal, and then after Royal, we're going to go back and do uh, Edelgard's route, <laughs> and then we're going to play, uh, what's it called, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, because I wanted to play that, and then we're going to go back <laughs> and do the the church route in Fire Emblem Three Houses, and then I was going to play Cyberpunk, but Cyberpunk got delayed, but that's kind of a good thing for my schedule, since I'm so fucking behind. Um, but it'll probably be around like Cyberpunk and um, Crown Tundra because I believe Crown Tundra for Pokemon is going to come out around then too and then I can do like a review roundup of Ash and Bulls really quick kind of in the style of how I did Golden Deer just like how I'm doing the other ones and then uh, we can do my second playthrough I'm probably going to do another Golden Deer route honestly and then overall thoughts so I should be done with Fire Emblem Three Houses by the end of the year. It's, it's taken me a minute, but um, I feel like I'll catch up and get back to pace on everything. I also actually have a 40 for 40 on Fridays. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so that's what's going on with Fire Emblem. Um, what else is happening? I've been watching a couple of animes with uh, with the roommates. I started, we started Beastars. We watched like the first three episodes, I believe. I'm digging it. We were all digging it. I, I like it. We'll see where it goes. I need to finish it. Um, what's this other show called? I believe it's pronounced Kakegurui. Uh, the show about the compulsive gambling chick. We we finished season one of that. And we watched the first episode of season two. It's fucking weird, but <laughs> I like weird shit, so I was I was super into it. <laughs> um, if you're if you're into shit that's just strange and out there, kinda like I don't want to compare it to JoJo's because it's not like JoJo's, but I'm saying if you're into weird anime series that are just kind of unique in their own little space and their niche, 
Uh, this would definitely be the show. It's kind of like, I would actually more so compare it to Food Wars, but instead of them having food battles, they're gambling, and they get off to gambling. <laughs> so that's another one to check out. Uh, both both uh, B-Stars and uh, what's it called? Kage, Kage Gururi, I believe. Kage Sorry, I can't pronounce it. Um, both on Netflix, so you can ch check those out. Season one and season two of the the gambling shows on Netflix. Uh, B Stars only has one season right now, I believe, so we're gonna have to wait. And I just actually finished uh, the first half of Carolyn Tuesday, so like the first twelve episodes. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Uh, I'll probably do reviews of all three of these once I actually finish them. I want to finish all the episodes available and just kind of do an overall review rather than just like season reviews of Carolyn Tuesday and then the, the Compulsive Gambling anime show. So, 12 more episodes of each, I believe, or 13 episodes of Kagi Kudui. I don't remember. But Carolyn Tuesday, is, it's 24 episodes. Um, I really enjoyed it though, being like, you know, a person deeply into music and rapping and writing music. Personally, I, I was super into the show. Beck Mongolian Chop Squad, I've talked about it a couple of times, is one of my favorite anime of all time. So I was super down for Carolyn Tuesday, just never had the time to watch it. Now the time to watch it. Oh, you know what I did finish though? I'm gonna save talking about it for next week, just cause this is going to be a shorter podcast, but Castlevania season three was absolutely fucking fantastic. I am months late, <laughs> months late on watching it, but I watched the whole season in one day and I fucking loved it. It was so good. It was so good. I heard people say like it was boring. I I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> it was so good. I oof, especially those last two episodes. The last two episodes of the season were so fucking heavy with like action and sex and violence and just plot and shit. It was great. It was fucking great. So yeah, next week, let's talk about Castlevania season three. I'm probably going to want to get my thoughts together on it. Maybe we watch a couple of episodes to give an overall opinion of it, but I loved it. I, I'm ready for season four whenever that's supposed to come out. But yeah, so that's what I've been doing kind of just relaxing getting my thoughts together um in regards to stuff going on with videos like i said i wanted to do videos on youtube for like unpopular opinions and shit that's just not gonna fit a full podcast episode that's still gonna happen probably when um i get the recording stuff and the walk-in put together fully when i get that chair and just have a setup and a schedule for it Videos, I'm not going to have, like, a schedule, like, for official uploads. I'll just let people know, like, hey, I'm working on a video and just have a heads up for it. I'm not going to give, like, an official date of when it will be out because it just all depends on how busy I am, how long it's going to take to edit, shit like that. Uh, hold on, let me, let me adjust my shit. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it, it'll depend on those factors, but, um, once I have everything put together, I'm sure the ball will get rolling. It's just a matter of getting the ball rolling. It's been an exhausting experience moving. A little more exhausting than I thought, but I'm, I'm loving it, dude. I'm chilling. Uh, roommates are great. They're chilling in the living room right now. 
we're gonna play Kirby Star Allies. Um, fun fucking game with your buddies if you if you want to play that too. It's on the Switch. <laughs> Kirby game. So I don't think I need to explain more than that. But um, yeah, videos. I'll be getting those done when it happens. The unpopular stuff, and then the Yu Yu Hakusho retrospectives are going to be moving to like YouTube too as a video format. I'll probably have to um, edit the retrospectives out of the podcast, not from like whatever upload for the podcast. Like they'll still remain in the full episodes, but I'm gonna cut them out and upload them as separate clips themselves as well, like separate sections, just so we have every retrospective from episode one all together. That way uh, people can see the playlist and see every retrospective I've done for it since episode one rather than like episode 29. Because what I'm planning on doing, I'm going to keep doing the retrospectives until we're done with season one. So up to episode 28, maybe even episode 27, because this is 51, so then we have three more podcast episodes left for like this season, I would call it, before uh, I take a little break and then jump back in for the next season. But, um, so what, 25 this week, then episode 26 on 52, episode 27 on 50. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah, we'll just round out the season. Um, so this week we'll do 20, we're doing episode 25. Next week we'll do 26. Week after we'll do 27. And then for the last episode of season two of the podcast, we'll do the last episode of season one of Yu Yu Hakusho. Excuse me. Which works, because 28 episodes for the first season, 28 episodes for the podcast, so 28 retrospectives. So we'll get that done, and then I'll just snip them out, I'll have to edit them out, and upload them on YouTube separately as their own kind of videos. They won't be like videos with like full animation, it'll probably just be like a still picture of like a screenshot from the episode, and just my audio, and that's in general what they're going to be. But... It'll be nice to have them separately. And then from there, I'll just do the retrospectives as their own separate videos and upload it to the YouTube on its own playlist. That way we just kind of have more room to talk about other stuff on the podcast when it's time to do it. Uh, this is going to be a lot of updates than the retrospective and then we're going to be done. I don't really have a lot to talk about this week just because I have been so busy. Stuff has happened. Just not going to talk about it. <laughs> Um, I think that's it for updates for me, personally. So I think we're just going to jump into the retrospective and wrap up. This this might be shorter than an hour. I don't know. It depends on how long I talk about episode 25 of Yu Yu Hakusho, Kuwabara's Fight for Love. So when we last left, <laughs> when we last left off, Yusuke and Kuwabara were flexing for two episodes straight. It was kind of atrocious how strong they were. And I was talking about this in great detail for these two episodes because I really appreciate how they show kind of, it was kind of like a summary roundup of all the the training they've gone through, all the fights and battles and hardships they've gone through throughout season one. But instead of it being summarized with like clips or like words, it was summarized with just action. Cause Yusuke and Kuwabara <laughs> for the last two episodes Three, technically, from the end, uh, end of, uh, what was it, episode 22? They've been about it. They've just been wrecking shit. Haven't really had a tough time. Like, they got hung up on, like, 
each of the three, each member of the demon triad, but only for like a second. So just to recap this arc, because we're, we're, we've reached the finale. Uh, the case is Yusuke and Kuwabara, or Yusuke mainly, is tasked with breaking into Tarukino's mansion out in the wilderness and rescuing an ice apparition known as Yukina. Yukina is an ice apparition of a special kind that they cry these special pearls called Hiroseki Stones. They're worth a lot of money on the black market, so that's why Tarukine wants her. So he has her kidnapped, struck up in the castle. They went to Kuwabara's house because he was the only nigga there with a VCR, <laughs> but Kuwabara wanted nothing to do with the case. Until he saw Yukina, instantly fell in love, he's tagging along. So they go in, we are introduced to uh, Best Girl and my waifu, Shizuru, <laughs> Shizuru Kuwabara. And we find out that uh, psychic abilities run in Kuwabara's family because she can also see the special videotape Koima had made. So anywho, Yusuke, Kuwabara, and Botan are on their way to the stronghold. What they don't know is that Yukina is actually Hiei's sister. And if Hiei finds out that his sister's been kidnapped by humans, he's gonna run into the mansion and start killing people, which he shouldn't do because it violates his probation, which is why they haven't told him. His only job was to deliver the tape for the case to Yusuke. But of course he finds out, so now he's on his way to the mansion to wreck shit. Uh, Kurama kind of just plays a very much of a, a sideline role this arc. It's not a big deal, it's only four episodes, but he's just kind of talking with Koema. And then he starts to head out to the stronghold later because of Hie violates the parole, <laughs> their, par their probation essentially. Then Kurama gets wrapped up in it. It's kind of like a package deal. So he's like, oh, <laughs> let me go ahead and go. So Kurama's watching the case unfold. And this is where we're introduced, of course, to the Tigoro brothers. So we got younger Tigoro, which is our main villain for the next upcoming arc of the Dark Tournament. Probably the most popular protagonist, or antagonist, I'm sorry. The most popular antagonist, antagonist in all of you, Hakusho, is definitely younger Tagoro. And Elder Tagoro is by far the most hated fucking antagonist in all of Yu Yu Hakusho. So we got some pretty popular dudes getting introduced. And one thing I mentioned way back in, I believe on episode 22 for uh, Lamenting Beauty, was that the Tagoro brothers, when, you f when you're first introduced to them, if you have no prior knowledge to, like I was like, I was saying like, if this was back when the manga first aired, or if it was back where or the manga first aired, the manga was first circulating, or the first time the anime was aired and you had no knowledge of the manga, you wouldn't look at the Tagoro brothers and see them as being major villains for a later arc. They look like, oh, they're probably going to be villains of this arc. But that's as far as they look like. And I think it was either Tagashi did that on purpose, to make it them seem less threatening than they actually were, which works double for the actual series, because in series, they act not too threatening. Like, they're like, their powers are very simple, and you can't really sense their spirit energy on a normal level unless they flex it out. So either Tagashi did that on purpose to kind of have like a wolf in sheep's clothing kind of deal with the characters. They're, you know, things aren't always as they appear. Or. It's just, you know, kind of the way the older animation and the older art of the Tagoro Brothers looked. Maybe Tagashi didn't really have, like, 
Tagoro planned to be a major villain, but as he was writing that arc, he was like, you know what? Let me use him for something more. Could definitely be a possibility. Uh, you know, he was writing in Weekly Shonen Jump, so ideas could have suddenly struck him as he went. Or maybe he had some kind of basic structure planned for Tagoro and just kind of built up on it and just made it into what he eventually was. Who knows? He wasn't meant to be a main character originally, but his popularity caused him to be, so shit could happen with Tagoro. But I, I mentioned that just because it's just it's kind of wild how simple they look. But then when you get to the Dark Tournament, it's like they look the same, they wear the same outfits and have the same design. But they seem so much more ominous, like so much more threatening in the Dark Tournament. Just like, not because you know who they are and what they can do, they just look and feel that way for some reason. I think it might just be the art change. It's not a drastic art style change, but especially in the anime, you know, by the time we get to the Dark Tournament, they got a lot more uh, quality animation for season two as opposed, season two and, two and three especially, as opposed to what we got in season one. So that could be a thing, but I, I think it's also an intentional, intentional character detail that they decided to do for the character. So I'm for it, dude. I'm all for it. Um, but we got introduced to all of that. And that was pretty much set up. So the arc begins. And Yusuke and Kuwabara, as I said, are tearing shit up. They meet the first guard. And they fucking obliterate him completely. Uh, Tarukane is kind of like not impressed by Tagoro yet. So he has him encounter this giant genetic demon monster named Helen. Tagoro rips that bitch in half, <laughs> and now Tarugane is like, alright, call the Black Black Club. So then, the Black Black Club is like, even darker than the Dark Market or the Black Market in real life. They're they're the Black Black Club, and Tarugane is a founder of the Black Black Club, or the founder, I believe. So they're gonna have bets. It's gonna be Yusuke and Kuwabara versus to the Tagoro Brothers Apparition Gang. Now, what Tarugane uh, think he's, thinks he's going to do is hustle his uh, fellow colleagues out of some money. Because the Tagoro brothers know that recently there have been two boys with incredibly strange spiritual abilities going around and beating powerful demons. These boys being Yusuke and Kuwabara throughout the first arc of uh, the arcs throughout the Spirit Detective uh, saga. Sorry, I dropped my phone. So... He's pretty confident that Yusuke and Kuwabara are going to tear through his men. And then they'll encounter them at the end and probably get killed. So Tarugane's like, look, I'll have them think these boys are not a threat. And the first few rounds, of course, they're going to get past everything. Then when they're like, okay, then we'll bet on the kids. The Tagora brothers will just kill them and he'll make a ton of money. What he wasn't expecting was uh, the other seemingly not so major but semi-major antagonist for the Dark Tournament arc, Sakio. Sakio is the team manager for Team Tagoro during the Dark Tournament arc, uh, as we find out later. But for now, he seems to be the youngest, kind of like, good-looking member of the Black Black Club. Everyone else is very, like, old and decrepit <laughs> and just kind of evil-looking. Sakio looks like a bad guy, but Sakio looks like a cool, calm, and collected dude. Which he is, as we find out throughout these bets. So the first bet we had was Yusuke and Kuwabara versus uh, 12 demons from the Apparition Gang. Everyone bet on the Apparition Gang except for Sakio, who bet 
five billion on the intruders. <laughs> of course, like I said, Yusuke and Kuwabara take them out. Sasakio's up 10 billion. You win double of what you bet if you win the bet. The next bet was the Demon Triad versus Yusuke and Kuwabara. Again, everyone bets on the Demon Triad except for Sakio, betting 20 billion on the intruders. So Sakio's big flexing. So then they fight the Demon Triad. Yusuke beats uh, our trans lady for the first one. Uh, the second time, Yusuke and Kuwabara team up to beat the second member, who's an assassin, by luring him around the corner and having Yusuke use the shotgun in the narrow hallway so he couldn't escape. And then Yusuke and Kuwabara stomp their foot into the last one, who was a giant with a club. <laughs> so, they beat them all in one episode, and that was pretty much it. So now we're all caught up, and we've gotten to the last portion. It's Yusuke and Kuwabara versus the Tagora brothers. And this bet is only between Tarukane and Sakio, because Taruki, because Sakio bet, fuck, I forgot what it, how much he bet, but it was like in the trillions. It, ooh, excuse me. I think it was like six hundred trillion, or sixty trillion two hundred million or something like that. It was a lot of money. It was fucking insane. How much money Sakio bet on this fight? And they were like, Yo, Sakio, you do not have that much money. And there, but maybe he did. And also, Tarukane could pay up because he had the girl with the Hiroseki stones. So, everyone else in the Black Black Club backed out because they were like, look, we're just gonna watch, and whoever loses is forever financially ruined. This is gonna be a great bet to see. So, Tarukane is very shaken up, and he has been by Sakio throughout. That card was loud as shit. See what I mean? Um, and he has been throughout the course of this whole arc because Sakio has always been betting on the intruders for ridiculous sums of money. I've <laughs> like in the billions, like everyone else has been betting large sums, you know, like a couple hundred million, which is a lot of money. Come on now, I'm fucking poor as shit. But <laughs> Sakio has strongly, firmly, confidently, without hesitation, bet billions on the intruders. And now he's gone as far to bet in the trillions. To the point where one of them will be ruined forever. Like, they'll never be able to recover from the drastic loss that <laughs> they're going to have. Sorry, one of my uh, Walmart items have shipped. My what? My what shipped? My ergonomic. Ergonomic. Oh, okay. I see. I see. I see. <laughs> But yeah, so it's the ultimate gamble, essentially, at least for this season, which is kind of intense to think about for the season finale. So we got Yusuke and Kuwabara about to fight these seemingly not too threatening dudes, uh, Yukina warning Kuwabara through uh, telepathy, essentially. Kuwabara has like this psychic connection through Yukina, through the what he calls the red pinky string of love, but it's, also, it's actually just his psychic powers on overdrive being able to sense out of Yukina. She's like, look, these niggas are dangerous. Uh, so that's happening. He has broken into the mansion. He's knocking out guards. Luckily, he hasn't killed anyone. So that's good. Karama is also on his way. Koema and George are watching the fight go down. And it's anybody's game. So we've reached the finale of the Yukina Rescue arc. And the episode starts off with Kuwabara seeming pretty confident. And as I've said a number of times, 
Kuwabara's greatest weakness, Kuwabara at his weakest, at his worst, is when he's overconfident, is when he's cocky, which is a lot of the time. He doesn't naturally sense the threat, which you think he would due to his psychic abilities, but hey, it's Kuwabara. Kuwabara at his best is when he really relies on his powers, which will happen. <laughs> he relies on his powers and his, you know, his teammates to take the W. So we'll see that happen later in this fight. Um, so Kuwabara is confident, but Yusuke feels off about something. Yusuke even says, like, it doesn't feel right. Like, because Kuwabara is like, look, bro, my senses are better than yours. And these guys, they feel like they couldn't hurt a wingless fly. Like, we're going to crush them, no problem. Like, Kuwabara is ready to get this done. But Yusuke just can't help but feel uncomfortable about it. And I think that's just that natural link he has towards Elder, our younger Tagoro, to the point where it's just like, this was destined to happen. Like, they were destined to encounter each other. The moment Yusuke became Genkai's pupil, he had to encounter Tagoro. It had to happen. As we find out in the Dark Tournament arc, how deep this really goes. But the fight starts, and younger is like, look, I'm not a very impressive demon. All I can do is grow my muscles. And then he gets really buff, and it's gross. <laughs> Yu Yu Hakusho has some great fucking sound effects in music. It's it sounds disgusting, <laughs> like, as it should, though. And then Elder Degoro fucking, like, <laughs> bends and contorts himself, once again, really gross fucking sound effects, into a sword. So now Yusuke and Kuwabara are kind of like, yo, what the fuck just happened? And Younger is like, see, the Tagoro brothers fight as one. <laughs> fight starts they're rushing in uh he goes for he he goes for kuwabara kuwabara has his spirit sword out he blocks they're kind of like or he goes into attack and they clash and <laughs> kuwabara is getting overpowered well no i'm skipping a lot of shit they get bodied during this fight dude i'm trying to get every point out so pretty much nothing is working against this nigga and one of the key moments I remember, this is like the first heavy blow they suffer, is Kuwabara clashes with Tagoro, and he's he's losing the clash. Like, like his energy is dissipating from his spirit sword as he's trying to hold his ground. Tagoro, Elder Tagoro transforms into like kind of like this shield gauntlet thing. No, 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 not yet. I'm sorry. I'm mixing shit up. Look at me fucking up. So Tagoro and them are... Tagoro and Kuwabara are clashing. Tagoro goes for a punch with his free hand. Kuwabara at the last second sees it coming and jumps back in time. He still gets hit, don't get me wrong. Like, and it, it, it looked bad, dude. It looked like if you got punched like that, you would shit your pants. Like, I'd be like, look, bro, <laughs> I would shit myself. <laughs> like, he fucking hit him in his intestines, like. It still was like a deep blow, like you could see his fist and his back and shit, and Kuwabara goes flying and imprints into the wall behind him. But is even like, damn, I didn't expect you to be as smart as you were. You jumped back at the last second so the blow didn't kill you. So had Kuwabara not even jumped back and just took that hit full force, Kuwabara probably would have had a hold in his stomach. That <laughs> and Tagoro's not going all out yet, like not even close. So Yusuke tries to challenge him. Spirit guns, Tagoro easily dodges it, deflects it, and Yusuke manages to finesse his way through the fight, through the air, uh, and gets point-blank range in Tagoro's face. Fires a spirit gun blast, and Tag 
it's like a good ass montage. It's like spirit gun to girls like, yeah, fuck that, bro. Sprints at him. Shotgun blast as he is in the air. Tagoro dodges again. Boom. Point blank spirit gun to the face. So Yusuke definitely is a much more tactical fighter than he was when you compare him to back when he fought Rando. Back when he fought Rando before the Genkai training, uh, Yusuke was a talented fighter naturally. He had, you know, natural intuition when it came to, came to street fighting. And he was able to take advantage of a good situation. Also, he was able to take advantage of a lucky situation, as we see in a lot of the earlier fights and even later fights. But after Genkai's training, he changed. He was able to turn that raw talent, that raw natural street fighting, into more of like a honed martial arts influenced fighting style. I believe all throughout Yu Yu Hakusho, Yu Yusuke never seems to be like a full-blown martial artist, but he seems to incorporate a lot of martial arts aspects and influences and teachings into his own fighting style. Yusuke is a street fighter through and through, but he's so heavily influenced by actual martial arts, he's able to fuse that into his fighting style to use it to his advantage to counter well-trained opponents and shit of that nature, as we saw in his fight with Suzaku. So he was mainly overpowering Suzaku with just his raw strength alone through his punches, and then he was also able to outsmart Suzaku with his natural intelligence. In this, we see more of like a strategy-based thing, like that combo, that little three-piece, he was able to quickly change the situation to place himself at an advantage over younger Tagoro, or so we think. But still, like he was like, I'm gonna fire a spirit gun, Tagoro dodged it. He was like, all right, cool, you can dodge that. Shotgun, Tagoro dodges again, point-blank spirit gun. So it's kind of just like, or he blocks it, I believe, with the shield. But it's kind of like Yusuke was able to quickly think on his feet. And I feel like he wasn't able to do that as well before the Genkai training. It was more like he had a plan, and if that plan failed, he would be surprised and caught off guard, take a hit. Then he was able to counter it after the fact. Now his hindsight is more of like a honed aggression. So... Or not a honed aggression, a honed uh, intuition, a honed like kind of training. So he's he's able to really take advantage of a good situation, not after the fact, but like during it in the moment. So he does this point blank spirit gun. The girl blocks again. Um, so even after all of that, even after what I just described, all this like training and finessing, Yusuke still wasn't able to even land a blow or dent or scratch this man. So he starts getting beat the fuck up. Then Kuwabara gets up, and then he starts getting beat the fuck up. And it's just like, I don't know how else to explain it to you guys. They get wailed on this episode, and me describing the fight will do it no justice. Just watch um, Yu Yu Hakusho episode 25. Uh, that's what it is, Kuwabara's fight for love. And um, they get fucking obliterated, bro. It's like not even close. This fight is not even close. And... It's like a false victory. <laughs> it's like they earned respect, and that's how like they they won. We're gonna get to it, but throughout this whole fight, it's them desperately trying to hit Taguro, and them getting beat the fuck down. Like their best, their best like solo exploits for this fight is Kuwabara just managing managing to dodge a lethal blow, and Yusuke's little three piece combo that I just talked about. That was it. That was their best accomplishments, and both of them technically fucking failed. All Kuwabara did was avoid death, but he still got hit. 
and Yusuke didn't even land the blow. So, <laughs> they're, they're getting tore up. They're, like, beat down. Like, that punch Kuwabara took earlier, like, ripped his shirt. There's a big-ass hole in his, like, school jacket. They're, like, on the ground, crumpled. They look like wads of just paper on the, on the floor. And Tarukane's like, look, bro, you had your fun. End this shit. And Yukina's watching in horror because she knows these guys came to save her. And this is why we need to give my boy, the man, the legend, Kazuma Kuwabara, more respect because he's the reason why they even got out of this alive. Because <laughs> the Tagoro brothers, don't get me wrong, as, as, as we find out next week and by the time, I feel like if you're listening to my retrospectives, you've watched Yu Yu show. So we already know that the Tagoro brothers let Yusuke and Kuwabara win this fight. But they were waiting for a moment where it seemed believable in a way where it's like, okay, you have our respect, we'll take this L. Uh, <laughs> and this was the moment. This is the reason why it happened. So as Kuwabara is crumpled on the ground, he can start to sense Yukina's feelings again, and she's flashing back to a moment the last time a human tried to help her. So Kuwabara actually has these visions and premonitions where he can read the memories of other people. We see this again during the Dark Tournament when he, when uh, Yusuke Kuwabara and the Masked Fighter fight against the Dr. Ichigachi team. He sees their memories in dreams and ominous like flashbacks and then he fully sees it during the fight, which is why he refused to hit them. Uh, so this is the first time we see it. Kuwabara's psychic powers are so strong even he doesn't fucking understand them. But uh, the flashback is Yukina, there's this guard that watches over Yukina, a nice dude who's really kind to Yukina and gentle. He's like, you know, I have a, a sister like you back home too. So he, he feels for her, he wants to help her because she, he rem, she reminds him of his sister and he wouldn't want her locked up like that. So he thinks up a plan. He's like, look, Tarukane and most of the guards are gonna be gone because Tarukane is gonna be doing such and such and such and such. Now's the time for you to escape. And Yukina's like, no, that's dangerous. And the dude's like, come on, don't you, can't you think about anything? Can, or can't you think about yourself for once and shit like that? So they're racing to the door. Uh, guess who's waiting for them at the exit? Tarukane and two armed guards. Tarukane says, light them up, and they fucking shoot this guard dead. Like the dude helping Yukina dead right in front of her eyes. And that's when she cut herself off from more emotional things. And she stopped crying from the torture and shit like that because she didn't want to give Tarukane the satisfaction. And she didn't want to open up to anyone else because she didn't want them getting hurt. And when Kuwabara sees this, he's even more disgusted and outraged by Tarukane than he was before. So he gets up and he's like, look, I'm about to beat you down. And Tagoro's like, oh, his spirit energy just went up. So as he's like pummeling Yusuke and he senses Kuwabara and sees him up on his feet... He's like, it looks like you'll be more entertaining than this one. And he fucking yeets Yusuke to the side. <laughs> and Kuwabara's like, nah, 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 nigga. I'll deal with you later. I'm talking about Tarukane up there. I'm about to beat this man's ass. So <laughs> Kuwabara doesn't even care about the Tagora brothers right now. He's just like, yo, this guy deserves to suffer. And he'll get his just desserts. But, um... He's trying to, you know, get up there and knock Tarukane out. Tarukane's like, don't try to fight me. Nigga, that's not how this shit work. Tagoro, teach him a lesson. So Kuwabara gets knocked back again by Tagoro, and he lands next to Yusuke. And he's like, look, you're a meshi. I got a plan. So as they're talking, Tagoro's like, look, I'm tired of this. I thought you guys would be a lot more entertaining 
than you actually were. I thought you'd be able to give me a satisfying fight. That's all I want. So, you know, these are the first little inklings of Tagoro's motivation. And I think the, the interesting part again about Tagoro and the way Tagashi, uh, Tagashi wrote him is uh, Tagoro, the Tagoro brothers could have easily just been these one arc villains with Tagoro's goal just being a strong opponent to fight and enjoy a fight against. It, especially since his literally his only ability is to grow the size of his muscles and get physically stronger. That's his only power. He even says that. So he could have easily just made Tagoro this one-off villain for this four-episode arc. But it goes so much deeper than that, the reason why Tagoro wants to fight someone strong and why he wants that, that battle and why he seeks the potential out of Yusuke, as we see throughout the Dark Tournament. But he's like, look, I thought you were going to give me a satisfying challenge. But as of now, this shit is boring. I'm kind of done kicking you guys back and forth off the walls like, like a fucking handball. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and finish this. So it goes back to Yusuke and Kuwabara, and Yusuke is like, "Nigga, are you fucking crazy?" So I, Kuwabara explained his plan, and he's like, "Dude, that's suicide. We we can't do that." And Kuwabara's like, "Look, we ain't got no other choice. You haven't seen what I saw, Yusuke." You haven't seen what this girl has been through and what Turukune has done. Please, dude, we have to do this. So Yusuke's like, all right, I guess I'm on, I'm guess I'm on board. So this is such a cool moment, and I feel like this moment isn't talked about enough, purely because the Tagura brothers let them do it. But I feel like it's such a cool plan on Kuwabara's part, and I wish another reason why I wish we had more uh, of these season one type of cases, like these short like three four episode cases which is Yusuke and Kuwabara tag teaming it their dynamic is so solid their banter is so solid they feed off of each other really well as characters and this tag team move this is this is why I need Arc System Works to make a, a, a fighting game for you Hakusho because we could have like a team attack or like some kind of ultimate finish like how uh, Fighters does it we could have an ultimate finish like this in the Yu Yu Hakusho game so Kuwabara charges up his uh, his spirit sword and he runs in. And Tagoro's like, oh, so he wants to die with honor, brother. Let's give him honor then. Like a respectful, like, final death for a warrior. So Tagoro's getting ready to swing his sword because is not fast enough to catch Tagoro slipping. So as Kuwabara gets close, Yusuke's like, all right, here it comes. And then off in the distance, Yusuke fires off his last spirit gun shot. And it hits Kuwabara in the back, but Kuwabara was ready for it. And it propels him forward like a jet. And he's fast enough to just impale Tagoro with his spirit sword before Tagoro can swing. Such a cool fucking moment. Can we just take the time to admire the fact that Kuwabara was like, Look, bro, what we're gonna do is this. I'm gonna run forward and you're gonna shoot me in the back. And I'm gonna propel like a rocket <laughs> instead. And I feel like Kuwabara is one of the only people that could that could do this, like take a spirit gun to the back and just not be obliterated. Because this is just my headcanon, but you know, we we all know for a fact Kuwabara just has like god level durability, as we've seen throughout the series. He can get beat the fuck up and still get up. It's kind of one of his traits. Yusuke even comments on it, <laughs> but uh, it's kind of funny that Kuwabara is the only person to voluntarily get hit with a spirit gun blast for his own benefit <laughs> and it just 
kind of feeds into the idea of his high durability. It's just like, oh shit! <laughs> so he jets forward and impales Tagoro right through the stomach. And Tagoro looks down and he's just like, oh, uh. And he kind of gives like these last words like, damn brother, they really were. Like he's he's selling it, bro. He's fucking hamming up this L. Like he, he was really trying to make it seem like, hey, yo, they really got me. <laughs> So he falls to the ground, Kuwabara bounces off of him and falls on the ground next to him. Uh, I think the part that I find really funny is that even though the fight's done and Kuwabara let go of the spirit sword, it's still like impaled into Tagoro's stomach. <laughs> like the energy is still manifested. So I was just like, Kuwabara can do that? Kuwabara? <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Also, Kuwabara didn't hit Elder Tagoro, so how did Elder Tagoro die? Questions. I have questions. Uh, I guess we don't need to worry about all of that. So, so Tagoro lost, which means Tarugane lost the bet. Everyone in the Black Black Club saw it on their, you know, from their little monitors. And Sakio's like, alright bro, I expect my money. <laughs> Tarugane shook. He's like, yo, what the fuck? Hey, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, like he's he's freaking out he's panicking um and the black black club's like yo bro even though you founded the club you understand that we can't we can't fuck with broke niggas right so we're gonna go ahead and bounce they they literally said sorry i don't speak broke nigga and they left they're like since you ain't got no more money you're out of the club don't contact us don't associate with us we don't know you that was it. It was cold-blooded, but the Black Black Club is the Black Black Club. So Tarugane's like, nah, 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 nah. I'm not taking this L. He's like telling his guards, hey, get the get the chopper ready. We getting the fuck out of here. Take the girl too. And then guess who enters the room? Hie has joined the chat. <laughs> so Hie steps in. They pull their guns out. Hie, of course, being the speed demon he is blitzes them and knocks them all out before they can even realize what just happened and Tarukane is just standing there shocked as he is approaching him he's like look look man I don't know who you are I don't know who you want what you want but if it's money bro I got this broad this bitch right here cry tears like you won't believe bro we'll be rolling in dough so here's where Tarukane fucked up right <laughs> uh, he doesn't know <laughs> That Hie is Yukina's sister, or Hie is Yukina's brother. Uh, Yukina doesn't know that's her brother either. No one knows that they're siblings except Hie currently, and Koema and Karama, who they were discussing. Uh, I think Botan knows too, actually. So right now, the only people that don't know were like Yukina, Tarukane, Yusuke Kuwabara. Whatever. So <laughs> he doesn't know that. So he doesn't know he just, you know, just signed his own death warrant. <laughs> like, it was it was done deal. So he goes into a rage, knocks this nigga into the panels, grabs him by his shirt, and starts beating on him, just wailing on him with his fist. It's it's like he could have one shot at this man with a swing of his sword. He was like, no, I want him to feel this. He's just beating the shit out of Tarugane. And if you thought Tarugane couldn't get any uglier than he already was, boy, wait until he gets his hands on him because that man looked like a molded beat mashed potato it was just it was bad it was <laughs> and right when he is about to finish him off 
Yukina pulls the uh, what Taya did to Yugi in the 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 fucking uh, waking the dragons arc, and she's just like, stop. <laughs> if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, little little side note. Uh, back in Yu-Gi-Oh, the first series, like with Yugi and my nigga Joey, my nigga Joey Wheeler. Shout out to the greatest duelist to ever do it. Uh, I got my little duel mat set up in my closet so I could see his face every morning. If I ever pick the game up again, boy, I'm doing it like you did. <laughs> but uh, there's a filler arc, which doesn't feel like a filler arc. Probably one of the greatest filler arcs of all time. Not just in Yu-Gi-Oh, but in anime. Known as Waking the Dragons. Um... And there's a historic moment, a historic duel moment in Waking the Dragons, where the Pharaoh uh, ended up losing a duel, and he was supposed to lose his soul because he used this card called the Seal of Orichalcos. So it gives you, like, big-ass advantage power boost during a duel, but whoever loses the duel while the Seal of Orichalcos is in place loses their soul. Yugi lost, because... Uh, or the Pharaoh lost because Yugi didn't want to use it, but the Pharaoh was like, fuck that, we gotta use it. So when the Pharaoh's about to lose his soul, <laughs> Yugi lost his soul in his stead. So now the Pharaoh's just without him, and now he has a, a bigger mission to tackle too. Not only does he have to stop the villain, but he also has to get Yugi back. And he blames himself, and he's going through a lot of shit. The team gets split up. So Joey's dueling Rex Raptor, right? And Yugi's dueling Weevil. Uh, so. It's these rematches from, you know, back in uh, Duelist Kingdom. They're trying to get their payback on. And they both use Seal of Horikalkos. So, Yui uses, um, I, I forget what the card combo is, but he has this card called Breaker the Magic Warrior or some shit like that. And I forget what the effect was, but it was, or what exactly the card or the card effect was, but essentially, Yugi was drawing cards. Every time he drew a monster card, he dealt damage directly to Weevil for like, it was like a certain amount. And he would keep doing it until he didn't draw a monster card. This is the most savage beating in anime history. One of the most savage moments. And it's a filler arc from Yu-Gi-Oh. So, watching it sub or dub is great, but the sub is so much better purely because just the ass was, it's like monster card Monster card! He just keeps drawing monster guards. So he just keeps t hitting Weevil for damage. And it gets into the point of overkill. I think he hits him like twice and Weevil runs out of life points. But he keeps drawing because <laughs> he keeps drawing monsters. So now he's just hitting Weevil directly for no fucking reason. And he's just like, I'm gonna keep doing it. I'm gonna keep doing it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and Taya has to physically stop him. She's like, dude, you already, Yugi, stop, you already won. Stop. And I was like, no, let him keep going. He'll eventually run into a magic card. Let him, <laughs> let him, let him keep doing. That's how this moment was for me when he, that was a long aside, but that's how this moment was when he was beaten onto Rukune and Yukino was like, uh-uh, stop, stop. I was like, let him beat his ass. <laughs> he deserves it. Even he is just like, you want me to spare him after all the shit he's done to you? And she's she's just like, I don't want to see any more violence. No more. And she starts tearing up a little bit. And he he stops because he's he he doesn't want to make his sister cry. And she he's just like, alright, I, I don't want to make you cry after all. And in my head I'm just like, but she you already did. She just fucking cried. But well, I guess we'll let that slide. So he, he lets Tarugane go. Tarugane's like a heap on the ground. He's kind of delirious. 
And Yukina's like, I feel like I should know you. Who are you? And at this point, he could have told her that they're siblings. But uh, as we find out much, much later in the series, during season four, during the Three Kings arc, we find out the exact reason why he can't tell Yukina that they're siblings. But he just doesn't this time. And he, his excuse is that he's like, I'll tell her when the time is right. But uh, he's like, no one. I'm just part of the team. And I love that line because Hiei, you are indeed part of the squad! <laughs> so it's just like, you know, they're a team, they're a squad. Him, Yusuke, Kuwabara, Kurama, they're they're all buddies. They're all they're all well, they're all a group now. They're a team. <laughs> so he's just like, I'm just I'm just a member of the team. So Yukina uh is like, you should probably go check on them down there. They're, they look beat up. So Yukina goes down there to help uh, check on Yusuke and Kuwabara's wounds. And out from the darkness, Karama pops up, because you know he a plant boy. He'd just be creeping out of nowhere. And uh, he's like, he was there to stop Hiei if Hiei was going to try to kill somebody. So it's a good thing, you know, Yukina stopped him. Or maybe we would have saw a Hiei and Karama fight. How fucking intense would that be? <laughs> so they have their little banter. Yukina goes down there to check on Yusuke and the others. And they're like, oh, you know, I'm okay, but that, that guy over there probably needs your healing more than anybody. Because ev ev they all know Kuwabara likes Yukina, has a big crush on her. So she starts healing his wounds. And Kuwabara's just like, I'm sorry humans are so bad to you. Don't think all of us are bad. Because he, he wants to show her the... God damn, that was loud. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard that big ass boom. <laughs> Popping fireworks like fucking goons out here. I guess it's July now, but chill, shit. We ain't celebrating that shit this year. Fuck all that. This is not... Not my America. But... <laughs> Anywho. So Kuwabara does this whole spiel, like... Don't hate all us humans because of the bad ones. There's good humans too, this and that. And it's like, no, no, no. I don't hate humans at all. I really like humans. They're, they're nice. And she's like holding his hand... And they have this moment, and he's looking into her eyes, and he's like totally sprung. He's like head over heels for her. And I think Yukina, by the end of the series, knows that he has like the biggest crush on her and like really likes her. But I feel like she doesn't get that throughout the show. <laughs> that he's like madly in love with her. But I, I love their dynamic. I love that Kuwabara is such an innocent dude. He's... <laughs> He just, Kuwabara acts like this big tough dude, but he, he loves cats, he has a pet kitty, his sister is the one that made him, his sister is the one that made him tough and kind of like punks him around. He has a thing for blue hair girls apparently because he was on Botan until Yukina showed up. <laughs> so how can you hate him? Oh, and everybody say thank you again Kuwabara for, for doing the damn thing. You know, Yusuke probably would have gotten flexed on if he went by himself against Tagora. <laughs> So all well, all's well that ends well for that arc. That was the Yukina rescue arc. And like I was saying last week, when uh, I was saying a lot of people in the Yu Yu Hakusho group were saying, uh, ironically, coincidentally, be they didn't know, I, when I was doing the retrospectives for the Four Saint Beast arc, at that point in time, people were talking about the Four Saint Beast arc a lot. And they were saying how underrated it was. And I said this last week, but I want to say it again, just because we finished, we wrapped up this arc of... Uh, I also want to say that this arc is super underrated too, and I think it's just because it's so short, it's only like four episodes, 
and it's just kind of more of a segue to introduce us to the Tagoro brothers for a much bigger arc coming up. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, it was a really good four episodes. It was very well paced. You had your case. You had everyone have their roles throughout the arc. Boom, go, go, go. Like, again, Yusuke and Kuobara dynamic. It For four episodes, for a four episode arc, fantastic. And this is how we pretty much wrap up season one. There is still three, there are still three more episodes in season one, but they're kind of like, these are definitely the transition episodes before we get to the Dark Tournament. Like this was an arc. It was still meant to introduce the Tagora brothers as well for the later parts, but it was an arc. The next three episodes are the transition and setup for what is by far the most popular arc in all of Yu Yu Hakusho. The Dark Tournament arc. Um, <laughs> it's it's been a while. It's been a while. All of we're we're getting there. We're almost to the Dark Tournament arc. By the time we finish up season two, we will be starting that in season three. As separate videos of the podcast, we'll be doing its own retrospective. So, damn, bro, we're about to be on it for a minute because the Dark Tournament is the longest arc in the series as well. It's not only the most popular arc; it is the longest arc in the series. It's the like for it's like the last two episodes of season one because i wouldn't count this next episode as the dark tournament i would count episode 27 as a part of it because they kind of get to hanging neck island and all of that and then this episode 28 is in fact um the first part of the first match which is cool cool bar versus rinku so we're already in the Dark Tournament. So the last two episodes of Season 1, all of Season 2, and a good chunk of the first portion of Season 3. All Dark Tournament. So it's just kind of like, god damn, this arc is long. Uh, great arc, though. Not my favorite arc. My favorite arc, I've talked about it before, is Chapter Black. But, <laughs> no one can deny the greatness that is the Dark Tournament. It's got action, it's got plot, and... It's got great characters, like interesting people with unique powers. Yusuke, Kuwabara, Hiei, and Karama have their own little sort of arcs where they have their own separate growth and a growth as a team throughout the whole thing. It's it's fantastic. It's a it's a very, very good arc, and I feel like it's not the first anime, it's not the first shonen series to have a tournament arc. Definitely not. I don't even think Dragon Ball is the first shonen series to have a tournament arc you know it's one of those tropes in shonen you gotta have a tournament arc <laughs> but uh i feel like it's set a high standard for what tournament arc should be in a lot of anime it is by far my favorite tournament arc in any anime people people can disagree with me of course everyone has the right to their opinion because not everyone's favorite anime is Yu Yu Hakusho so of course I, I naturally my favorite tournament arc in all of anime is the dark tournament from Yu Yu Hakusho. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic arc. Just well written from the ground up. You have Yusuke and his whole clash, not only his whole clash with Tagoro, but that linking to Genkai, who's his master and like this kind of like parental figure that's he's grown such a strong bond with over like the course of the year that he's known her. And now he's wrapped up in this old flame, like relationship, friendship turned sour between Genkai and Tagoro. So it's like Yusuke 
unexpectedly becomes Genkai's student, and then unexpectedly meets Tagoro, who sees so much potential in him and wants to cultivate that so he can have this true fight. And then also we find out that Genkai and Tagoro have a past together, so it just leads into this big thing where Yusuke's destined to put that conflict to rest. And I, it's so fucking good. Like, how, how do you write like that? Takashi, tell me your secrets. So fucking good. We have Kuwabara's whole thing where he kind of embarrasses himself through most of the tournament, but when he pulls through, he pulls through. So, you know, like his whole fight with Rinku, like everyone didn't expect shit from him. And even though he loses that fight because he gets counted out, it's a ring out, no one expected uh, people in the dark tournament to be surviving fights. So it kind of set the standard for people actually living through fights in the dark tournament, mainly for the Yurameshi team. They killed people. But it was mainly he. You know what? I think he and Kurama are the only people that killed people during the dark. No, because Yusuke killed Tagoro. So Kuwabara and Genkai are the only people that didn't kill anyone in a dark tournament fight. And Yusuke only killed Tagoro. But that nigga needed to die. <laughs> but he and Kurama were straight killing niggas. They were like, "We're not here to play." But um. You, you, you have Kuwabara kind of setting that, that l more lighthearted standard throughout the tournament, uh, showing that he is more powerful than he seems, even though he is kind of like the joke of the team. His whole fight with Rinku when no one was expecting him to pull, pull off shit he was pulling off. Rinku actually being scared to keep fighting him, which is why he forced a ring out, and also Kuwabara's uh, fucking stupidity and distraction of Yusuke. But he got in the ring and still wanted to fight, and Rinku was like, no, nigga, leave me alone. And his compassion with the Dr. Ichigachi team, where he saw what happened to them and refused to fight them and fight back and got beat up because of it, only to come back and get the, the W that his team desperately needed in the third round where they had to where he had to fight, uh, I believe his name is Risha, the leader of Team, team Masha, the, the ninjas. Um, when he comes through and gets that W while fucking severely crippled, Cool bar, bro. You gotta love it. Semi-finals, he embarrasses himself because he gets too confident and embarrasses himself twice. But, you know, he, he he comes through in the finals when it counts. And, you know, his good heart and his compassion, even Genkai notes that. That's the last words Genkai says to Kuwabara before she dies against Tagoro is, you have a kind heart. Like, it's just like, and he does. And it, and it shows through, and that's what really leads to his resolve and his strength is the fact that he's a kind person. And of course, who can forget, you know, the iconic spirit fly slaughter. So whereas Yusuke's whole character arc is through this is getting over the emotional wall he has. The the wall that blocks his emotions leads to his true strength. Kuobara's is more of a kind of proving himself throughout the tournament. Like proving that he is you know, not a burden to the team. He is helpful. He is a contribution. He is someone of value. And he is strong. And he does that his own way. When he actually does believe in himself, that's when he is pulling off his wins. And that's where he is proving himself to be much more than he seems. And then you have Hiei's struggle with the Dragon of the Darkness Flame throughout the tournament, where he's, like, suffering. Like, his arm is going through severe pain. He's... He's handicapped throughout most of the tournament, still winning fights, but even still, and coming overcoming that challenge and mastering it and becoming one with it. Kurama getting back in touch with Yoko Kurama because it's starting to prove that 
his intellect alone isn't going to be able to win him every fight because he gets too injured and he needs that Yoko Havi. He needs so you have all these like character arcs going on for each person and then they all link together because it's all throughout this tournament and they're a team. And it's all leading to the big finale where they fight their main enemies on Team Tagora. And it's so good, bro. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it when we get to that part of the retrospective. That was kinda like me going over an overall summary and thoughts of the arc, but it's a fantastic arc. I always I, I don't want to seem like I don't like the Dark Tournament, because I think I've brought it up a lot of times why I like Chapter Black more than the Dark Tournament. But I don't want it to make I don't want to make it seem like, oh, I don't even like the Dark Tournament. Uh, I, I love it. It it is my second favorite art. But um I just like Chapter Black more. But <laughs> much more to come. We still got the three transition episodes. We still got 26, 27, 28, or 20 we still have the one transition episode before we get to 27 and 28, which start the Dark Tournament. So next week we'll be doing episode 26, then we'll do 27, then we'll do 28, and then starting from the first episode of season 2, I'll only be doing the retrospectives as YouTube videos on the YouTube channel. So if you're watching the podcast, or listening to the podcast, I mean on YouTube, I'll have a playlist set up for it for the EU retrospectives. And you can just click that playlist, continue off on whatever episode. Um, will I still do them weekly? I probably should. If not weekly, bi-weekly. We'll see how it goes. Um, I also plan on doing videos not only on like the unpopular opinion thing. Those will be probably more sporadic uploads when the moment strikes me and I have like a strong opinion on a subject. But I'm, I want to do like Yu Yu Hakusho. I talked about this before already too in the update video. I want to do Yu Yu Hakusho kind of like lore and explanation videos on certain things like character abilities, uh, character analyses, arc analyses, sort of like the retrospectives, but more like con uh, cohesive, more concise, like kind of like short, like 10 minute vids with like that are actually scripted rather than me talking off the top of my head. Kind of like how Geekdom 101 has like the technique guide and his Dragon Ball in depth stuff. I want to do stuff like that. I don't think I'll have technique guides because the techniques in Yu Yu Hakusho, although like really cool and interesting, I don't feel like they need as big of an explanation as techniques from other anime series. So what I might do is character abilities or character power sets explain, where a video will just take a character and just break down their whole moveset, like all their attacks. I feel like I do I could do a good like full like 15-20 minute video about characters and stuff. Like I talk about Yusuke's spirit gun, his shotgun. Uh, what the spirit cups did, the spirit wave, the spirit wave, the spirit or wave orb, uh, shit like that, his demon powers, things of that nature, but just all in one video. So I want to do stuff like that. I want to explain like certain points, like the class, the demon class system, uh, manga and anime differences. I would love to do something like that. Give me an excuse to read the manga again. <laughs> so as if I needed one, <laughs> but. Shit like that. I want to do Yu Yu Hakusho lore vids like that. Um, so we'll see where, how that goes. We'll see how it goes when we get to that point. But I'm going to go ahead and end it here. Like I said, yeah, a lot shorter. We've been having longer episodes lately. So it, I guess it's kind of refreshing to have a shorter episode. This one was only an hour. <laughs> just about. And it was mainly just me giving general summaries of what I'm doing, what I plan to do in our Yu Yu retrospectives. Next week, I, I'll probably go... Give, go ahead and give a review for Castlevania 
We will be doing the UU retrospective still in episode 26, but it'll be that and then like a Castlevania season three review. So if you haven't seen Castlevania, or at least not season three, go ahead and do yourself a favor and watch that. Uh, season three is only 10 episodes. If you haven't seen any of Castlevania, it's not a very long series thus far. In total, it has 22 episodes or 24. 22 episodes. Because season one is four episodes, season two is eight episodes, and season three is ten. So it only has 22 episodes so far. So you, if if you have a free day, you could watch it all in a day. But um, you you could get through that in a week. It's it's not that long at all. You could watch a couple episodes a day and get through it and be all caught up before I uh, upload the next podcast. So uh, Castlevania season three review. That'll be our major topic of next week, Yu Yu Hakusho Retrospective. And whatever other quick news, maybe I'll talk about the anime I watched too, so like, quick little anime review. Oh, you know what else I'll probably talk about? I'm either going to be watching Weathering with you tonight, or Silent Voice. Uh, my roommates have those movies and they have Netflix so we can watch a Silent Voice on Netflix. I haven't watched either one of those yet, so if I watch one or the other or both, I can do that. So let's let's do that. Let's say episode next week for the podcast for 52. I'll do a quick review, roundup, overall thoughts of uh, Weathering With You and or A Silent Voice. We'll do the UU retrospective for episode 27, or 26, I'm sorry. And then we'll do Castlevania Season 3 review. That'll be, episode, that'll be next week. Boom. Sounds good? Sound good to me. I know you can't reply, but it sounds good to me. Uh, thank you guys again. We're on episode 51. It's crazy people still listen. <laughs> I don't have a lot of people that listen to me, but I always have to point out that it's crazy that there are people out there in the world who do listen to me ramble and rant and just talk about a bunch of shit. Like, I didn't rant as much today, <laughs> uh, but I wasn't pissed off today, so <laughs> that's a different thing. But thank you guys for listening to me. Uh, very much love the support and any support I get. Uh, if you want to continue following me and whatever I do, go ahead and follow me on Twitter. <sighs> what is my Twitter handle? <laughs> oh no, I should have planned this. I could edit this, but I'm not. I want people to know I don't. I don't plan things for this fucking podcast. I'm a failure. <laughs> Uh, it's my, my, my Twitter is hiccup, H-I-K dash U-P-P, but it's at Kyle Ruiz 13. Um, YouTube is called Kyle Hiccup Ruiz. It used to be called Art Project, but I just changed it to my name because I'm going to be putting up more stuff besides uh, the Art Project stuff. You can follow my uh, Facebook page for more updates on the podcast. Other things I'm doing and story updates for Another Random Tale when Another Random Tale gets to that point. Uh, the Facebook page is called Art Project, capital A-R-T, uh, capital P, and then the project, so, you know, Art Project, follow that. Just so you can get whatever's going on with me if you want to stalk me and do all that shit. Um, next week, oh, excuse me, sorry. What are we talking about next week? I already said what we were talking about next week. Oh my god, I actually planned ahead this time. But again, guys, thank you for all the love and support. Thank you for staying and listening through the whole thing. And I will catch you guys next. Nah, I will catch you guys next week. Uh, love you. Bye. Fool this man! Die!
So sad is all with changing the rules and regulations. Games, I win a call engaging some play with station with rivals and.